0: at loveisrael.org that's one word loveisrael.org now here's baruch with today's lesson
1: our god is a great god who does wondrous things and if you are in a covenantal relationship with him through faith trusting in his word as the basis the foundation of one's faith then you can expect god to work actively in your life, in your circumstances, in your situation, in order that he brings you into his will so that you can accomplish his purposes. For that objective, God will do great things. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 86. Now, this psalm is a wonderful psalm. That speaks about God's faithfulness that God hears our prayers and he will indeed respond according to the goodness of who he is and according to the fulfillment of his purposes for your life and when you are committed to those purposes when you want to serve God when you want to be a a witness for him and a servant for his will then you can expect that God will move mightily again in your circumstances. Take out your Bible and let's begin with this first verse of Psalm 86 where it says, A Psalm of David. David is going to teach us about what he experienced from God. And because David did, we too as children of the living god through faith in this new covenant we can expect god to move in a similar way in our lives so he says in verse 1 lean o lord your ear and answer me now this is a word that begins this this section about lending your ear putting your ear in a position where you are paying attention or listening so david is saying now lean your ear O lord answer me some bibles will say help me but david is simply saying respond this word is a word of response a word of god's action in someone's life in someone's situation then he says as david confesses his situation he says Four, poor, and this word poor can mean poor financially, although that probably wasn't David's circumstances at this time. Perhaps this was long before he was king. But this word could also mean to be afflicted, to be in a very difficult situation where one is suffering. But <laughs> if we keep reading, we find this next word, and evyon, which usually does imply one of poverty, one who is desperate. So regardless of when David wrote this, he is in a difficult situation where he feels desperate. Perhaps he's destitute in a variety of ways, and he's calling out to God, asking that God might listen to him. And he furthermore says, guard my soul, for I am gracious. So David is saying, God, and it's kind of a spiritual insurance. When we are gracious to others, when that's our nature, then again, we can expect God to watch over us, to guard us, to keep us. And that's what David is saying. Keep my soul, guard me. And he says for i am gracious this is this word hasid which comes from the word chesed which is revolving around grace and david is saying i'm in someone that lives graciously and usually that implies to other individuals he says save your servant so now we get more information david is saying i am your servant because i am committed to your purposes oh god your will save me your servant you are my god now realize that that term god can be understood as judge and what david is revealing to us and this is very important in experiencing god's power and presence in someone's life acknowledging that God is our judge. What does that mean in a practical sense? It means that God's standards become our standards. His instructions become the foundation of our life. We we give up our our ability to to make decisions for ourselves and we submit to the instructions, the commands, the the words of God. This is what it means to recognize the God of Israel as my God and furthermore he says look at the end of verse 2 where it says ha boteach alecha, the one who trusts in you now David is saying I trust you oh God I find my security in you so David is not looking for others First and foremost, when he has this problem, when he's desperate, when he's lacking, he turns to God in trust. And this word for trusting relates to assurance. He's saying something. There's a declaration here that, God, I am looking to you for assurance, for that help that I so desperately need. Verse 3, he says be gracious unto me and notice and we're going to see this repeatedly i shared in a study not too long ago about the name of god that yudhe vavhe which oftentimes we will translate it when we speak that name in prayer as adonai but it's not phonetically written adonai it's written differently But here it is that word Adonai, which relates to God who is the master, the ruler, the authority over our life. So we're going to see that David frequently, when he relates to God in this situation, he acknowledges God as his master. And let me just simply say to you unless you approach God in that way, acknowledging that he is the ruler, the authority, the master of your life. If, if you're not submitting to God with that kind of recognition of, of your relationship unto him, then God, you ought not expect that he will respond. He responds when we come before him in that manner. So he says, look again at the text, be gracious unto me, my master for unto you i call all the day now this shows something important that david consistently turns to god throughout the day all the day this is whom he looks to for assistance for guidance for that deliverance so ask yourself a very important question does that describe you are you someone that acknowledges God first and foremost as the master of your life and therefore unto him you look to the solutions to the struggles the hardships the problems of your life if you're not approaching him then you're not walking in faith there is a reason why David says at the end of verse 2 speaking about himself the one who trusts in you then he says be gracious unto me my master for unto you i call all the day now because of david's commitment and understanding of who god is he has and i'm going to say it again that expectation what does he say look at verse four david is obviously in a difficult situation But he says, speaking to God, gladden the soul of your servant. He understands that God, in difficult circumstances, can make David glad. God is able to do all things. He is greater than our troubles. And he can give us that joy, that gladness, in the midst of very, very difficult uh, experiences that we go through. So he says... Gladden the soul of your servant for unto you, and he says it again, my master, unto you, my master, I lift up my soul, meaning this, God, I am making myself available. That soul means in his entirety, every aspect of his being, he brings before God. And this is just simply an example of surrender. If you want to experience God, come before Him surrendering with no uh, uh, negotiations, with no uh, stipulations whatsoever. You simply come before Him, surrendering everything unto Him. And that's what it means to trust God. That's what it means to really demonstrate that He's the master of of your life look now to to verse 5. he says for you and again that same word appears for you my master and what does he say about god being his master he says good and forgiving now this is something that that needs to be explained in the proper way this word good just doesn't speak about the goodness of god but It's related to the will of God. What David is saying is, God, you are my master, and you have a plan for my life. That's why he says good. Good is related to the will of God. And David is realizing something and teaching us this principle, and that's this. Unless I experience the forgiveness of God, I can never find myself into the will of God. I will be if i don't experience forgiveness from god i will be frustrated i will not be able to arrive where god wants me to be forgiveness changes the individual so david says good relating to the will of god god you are good you have a will for my life a purpose and you are forgiving he goes on to say that this same god is Rav, and this means abundant in grace to all and i love this to all without exceptions to all who call upon you so again let's make this personal are you calling upon god when you have difficulties or is god kind of your last resort if everything else fails this is not david's approach David does not forget that he is under God's authority, that God is his master. And therefore, whatever's going on in his life, he he brings himself submissively to God. And he calls out unto him, expecting that this God who is abundant in what? Abundant in grace. Now, what's the purpose of grace? Well, grace can involve forgiveness the mercy of God but grace as I've said so many times has such a powerful purpose behind it because God's grace changes the recipient so let's make it personal it changes me in order that I can be conformed to the will of God that I can do the purposes of God look on look at verse 6 he says the same thing again. He says, "Listen, O Lord, to my prayer." We can conclude David is indeed a man of prayer. And you need to be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. It is only when we are seriously committed to prayer can we really say, "God, I'm trusting in you." prayer to the degree that we spend time in prayer and what we pray for shows a lot about what we truly believe about god and that can be a very convicting statement because if you uh, are casual with your prayer life that you don't have expectation that you simply go through it because there's that expectation when you go to bed at night or when you get up in the morning that you pray and you go through it as a, a repetition of a tradition rather than in sincerity, in believing that prayer is one of the greatest blessings that God has given to his people. And let me share with you a very important truth for those who are not in a covenantal relationship with god god is under no obligation to hear to listen or to respond but to those who are in a covenantal relationship with god especially that new covenant god has mandated himself it's not that we force him we can't force god to do anything he's sovereign but god has said when you enter into a covenant with me i'm going to hear your prayers our prayers will bring about a response not necessarily the response that we ask for that we want that we desire but if we are growing spiritually god will be changing our hearts so that we agree with god and let me just simply say this is a wise prayer request what is that god help me to pray according to your will help me to pray and beseech you and make supplications in agreement with your plans with your purposes with your will see where spiritual maturity is is when we agree with god and we approach god here again submissively saying god change my heart so that that my heart's desires agree with your desires that's what spiritual maturity truly is so he says (coughs) listen O lord to my prayer and and hear the voice of my supplications now what he's revealing to us is this when we come to god in prayer sincerely when we ask god to listen to our supplications and by the way this word supplication is derived from the word chen, which is a synonym additional word for grace not the same word we talked about earlier chesed but one that is similar and it's related to favor so what david is saying here is this god i trust you that you are going to hear my supplications for favor when we are in a covenantal relationship with god that's foundational after we have been forgiven by the blood of messiah after we are an individual that have matured and have realized where the goodness of god is found is in his will i want to get to his will therefore i want to obey him i want to surrender when we do all of this we can and this is a psalm of having expectation of God's activity in our life we can expect God's favor in our life in our circumstances to change things around now we're gonna to come to a section where David is going to be speaking about enemies and if we're walking in obedience with God there will be an enemy there will be those who oppose us but realize our God is greater than them now let's move to verse 7 where it says in the day of my trouble what does david do he doesn't complain he doesn't fear he says in the day of my trouble i call literally i will call unto you for you will answer me now this is this assurance that i talked about earlier david has and don't miss this david has absolute confidence that god is going to to answer that there's going to be a response from god and one of the things that we should do is have that same expectation if indeed we're committed to to surrendering ourselves making ourselves available committed to the purposes of god trusting him believing in him knowing that his instructions are the best 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 for us if we really affirm that and believe it sincerely then we can have an expectation that god is going to move in our life mightily and we'll talk more about that in a moment but he says here for you will answer me verse 8. Now experiencing God, and this is what David has just said: You will answer me; there will be a response. And now he's going to talk about God's nature, how God responds, what He does, and He says, "And kamocha b'elohim, there is none like You among the gods, my master." Now again, that word "my master" appears there. I don't know. So he says, there is none like you among the gods, my master, and there is no as your works, meaning there are no works as yours. David understands that the God of Israel is unique. There's no other God like him, and his works are different than the rest. And when it's talking about works, I believe the context demands that we're talking about his activity, God going to work, God doing things in behalf of David for David's well-being, for David's strength, for David to be able to persevere and overcome that day of trouble, those hardships, those enemies that we'll talk about in a moment, that God will work mightily in order to allow David, see, we, when we surrender to God, we are inviting God to move in our life that He empowers us that we might fulfill His purposes, His will. So He says, There is none like you among the gods, my Master, and there is no works as yours. That's what the implication is. All look at verse 9. All the nations which you have made. Now it speaks about how God is and should be the judge, the authority over all. He says, all the nations which you have made, they will come, they will worship. This is a word for bowing down before you. And he says it again over and over. My master. Now we see something david is speaking now from ultimately a kingdom perspective now when he says all the nations he does not mean every member of every nation what he's speaking about is what we see over and over in the scripture and that is from every nation every people every tribe, and every language. There will be a remnant from all nations. Doesn't mean everyone in that nation, but every nation is going to be represented. They are going to come. They are going to bow down before you, my master. And notice what it says. And they will glorify your name. That is, they are going to affirm with honor the character of God. They are going to praise him. Glorify Him for who He is, not just what He has done, but who He is, His attributes, His qualities, who He is. And God is this holy, righteous, perfect God, just, merciful, long suffering, all of these wonderful attributes and characteristics that He has. He is going to be recognized by a remnant of all nations. And he says, look on, verse 10, For great are you, the one who does niflaot, meaning wondrous things. So God, and again, I've mentioned to you many times in Hebrew, when we have a verb, some would say it's a participle that's fine. In the present condition, that present tense, it's emphatic so it says and let's get the the right right context he says for great are you and he does meaning God does wondrous things you oh God alone you are God alone there is no other no one can do the things God does and God is a God who is indeed responsive to prayer who desires to be actively involved in his people's life we see that so clearly with the nation of israel even when israel is faithless god he he moves and he brings them back to repentance turning them to himself that they might uh, once more be restored and set forth in the purposes of god Look now to verse 11. He says here, Show me, and this is a word of instruction. He says here, Show me, O Lord, your way, and I will walk in your truth. Now, some important things here. This is parallelism. I have not spoken of that in this psalm, but there's been many examples of what I'm going to share in different contexts different uh events but notice where it says show me and this is word of instruction teach me O lord your way and i will walk in your truth what is parallel to truth your way so god's way is always the way of truth and that's why it's so important that we affirm not too long ago in fact earlier today i was responding to an email there's a congregation where we used to live in miami and a friend of mine sent me that email asking would you look over this congregation's statement of faith and could you recommend this congregation based solely upon the statement of faith and the answer is i could not the statement of faith was very limited it was weak and and secondly it did not have the right confession concerning scripture see what we need to believe is that the word of god of course in the original autographs when those those individuals wrote down the scripture in that original form it was perfectly inspired by god well they said that but here's the problem they would not say that it was inerrant meaning without air now, it's interesting because as I did some more studying and research concerning this particular congregation, they said this, even though we, we are pro-life, we understand that, that good Bible-believing people can disagree with that view. No, this is false. See, when you lessen the authority of Scripture by saying, well, it's inspired by God, it's, it, it helps us it is an assistance for us in knowing how to serve god but when you will not say that it's without error, if you will not say that that there is no errors in the scripture you're going to come away with a a wishy-washy view and when it comes to something as important and clear as we ought not kill babies this is wrong and true believers real believers are not going to struggle with this it is so obvious and this is the problem today we begin to lessen and question the authority of scripture saying well it's 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 not without air there may be some things incorrect once we begin to say that then it's a slippery slope and what's going to happen we're going to come down more and more on the unbiblical position of a an issue that's dealing being dealt with look now to the last part of verse verse 11 he says uh, teach me O lord your way and i will walk in your truth and then it says unified now it's a word of making together my heart to fear your name so important that it says make unified with what with god That we would fear that we would give priority to god's character now god's character is inherently related to his perspective it is because of who he is how he sees things and he sees things perfectly he is all-knowing omniscient and because of that we know something god is always right and we need to agree with him so it says here david's praying unify my heart in order that i show fear i give priority to your name your character verse 12. not too long ago we used this 12th verse as a call to worship wonderful wonderful verse where it says and let's get it right many bibles don't translate it accurately where it says i will give thanks to you my master my god with all my heart now i believe there's a relationship between what we read immediately before this and what we read now in in both the previous verse and this verse we see that word for my heart and it's only when our heart is unified with god that we're going to give him thanks we're going to recognize his rule over our life my master my God with all my heart and I will give glory to your name forever now giving glory to the name of God is affirming his character and his character is related to his perspective always that's true for everyone It's how I see things that determine how I behave. And behavior and character go together. So God sees everything accurately according to the truth. There is nothing hidden from him. Therefore, God's character is going to give us a perspective and a lifestyle. I want to say that again. This is so important that you see that. When we affirm the character of God, saying he's righteous and because he's righteous he's holy he's good he's perfect we're going to recognize this word as his word also infallible also without error, and therefore we're going to be governed by truth and we're going to make decisions that he would have us to make and when we do that we're going to fulfill the purpose for which God created humanity and redeemed humanity, which is to to honor him, to worship him, to reflect his character. Look, if you would, to verse 13. For your grace is great unto me, and you have saved my soul from Sheol below. So notice, we see grace and we see saving. Saving from destruction, that eternal punishment. So in the Old Testament, we see that same purpose, and the grace has several purposes, but foundationally, it is to save us from the place of punishment. So you have saved, you have rescued. This is word word, l'atzil. You have rescued, you have delivered my soul from Sheol down below verse 14. oh god zadim zadim are those who are willfully against god they stand in opposition to the purposes of god and therefore they stand in opposition to those who submit to the purposes of god now i mentioned about david's enemies and here and it's very important This word in a different form is the word mazid mazid is when one does sin willfully they purposely with intent they know what to do but they do not want to do what is right they purposely do what is wrong and this is whom is being discussed here look at verse 14 oh god willfully willful sinners rise up against me and a congregation of tyrants seek my soul now here seeking the soul is an idiom basically they want to kill david they are seeking his soul that is they're seeking his life and notice what he says for they these same ones who are willful sinners They have not put you before them meaning they're giving no consideration to you whatsoever god now because of that this this behavior of ignoring god willfully rebelling against him puts these individuals in a very dangerous position in the same way that we surrender and obey and and bring ourselves unto the lord recognizing that he's my master and i want to serve him whatever it may be we put ourselves in a very good position and if you look here he says verse 15 and you my master the god of of compassion and grace that word compassion can also be mercy the god who is merciful and gracious not just that but also we could say his anger is long it stretches out so god does not want to be angry with people therefore his anger is lengthened; and it stretches out and he is abundant second time he said this abundant in grace and truth again it is when we are committed to the truth that we are going to see the grace of god working in our life now again there's that grace that saves but also that grace that works in our life to bring the fulfillment of the will of god into our life that we become obedient so grace saves grace justifies it reconciles us but grace also moves us there's a power to grace to move us into god's will where we become faithful servants and that's according to his truth verse 16. David says turn unto me and be gracious this is that synonym be favorable to me now this favor is as well always connected to the will of god it is not saying show me favor and do what i want god will not do what you want unless you agree with him and therefore his will and your will have been joined together that's spiritual maturity so when he says god be gracious unto me show me favor it's so that david can move and behave in a way that meets the objectives of god second part of verse 16 he says give your power to your servant now i hope you see over and over david is recognizing god as his master and that he is his servant does that describe you that's where wisdom is recognizing that you are a servant of god so he says give me your power to your servant and save the son of your maidservant now what's he talking about here this commitment goes beyond just his life it goes beyond just one generation that he was taught by by his mother on how to walk with God. So he says, the son of your maidservant. Last verse. Make with me, I love this term, make with me an oat. What is an oat? An oat is a miraculous sign, something that that God and God alone can do. And what David is saying is, God, work miraculously in my life. And here's the takeaway for us. It's when we apply all the truth from verses 1 through 16 that we can expect 17 to be a reality. What is that? That God will work mightily, that he will work miraculously in our circumstances. Make with me a sign a miraculous wonder sign for goodness what does that mean god i want you to move miraculously in my life so that i can fulfill your will and the ones that hate me they will see and they will be ashamed and hopefully that shame will cause them to repent that they will see the faithfulness of God. They will witness a testimony of God delivering, working, blessing, moving in the circumstances of David and not just in David. This is not unique to him. He wrote it down in order that we would apply this truth to our life. So he says, work with me, we can translate it, do with me a miraculous sign for goodness for your will that those who hate me they might see and be ashamed for you o lord are my help and notice how this psalm ends not just my help but also my comfort and realize something this word comfort so important because comfort this word comes from a unique comfort A comfort that comes from God's will being accomplished. It is an outcome, a result of God's will. So over and over in this psalm, Psalm 86, David is telling us we find contentment, we find help, we find comfort in the will of God being fulfilled in in one's life. So let me ask you this as I conclude. Is that your desire? Do you want to be an instrument whereby god uses you to fulfill his will that's what recognizing the god of israel is all about recognizing he is the master he is the authority and only in his will are we going to find that comfort that satisfies and not just satisfies but also it is his response That empowers us to overcome, to move to that next spiritual level, to grow and mature and move forward in that sanctification. Well, I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org